This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's cracking, beer lovers? Hey! Excited. Yeah, me too. Um, Got another real ale that I'm very excited about. Talk to us about it. So, it is a Belgian-style triple. So if you flex guys, ultimate flex by Clayton here. Yeah. If you guys remember <laughs> on on the the episode that I did the West Molly. Yeah. It was the triple. This was the West Molly triple. Yeah. And if you guys remember correctly, I said that that is my favorite beer of all time. Yeah, the triple. Yeah. If I could drink one beer for the rest of my life, it'd be the West Molly triple. I'm hoping that this is close to this. I've never had this before. I'm very I'm very excited. But it, it's real ale, and I've never had anything from them that I've been disappointed with. Um, and just FYI, they are located in Blanco, Texas. If you guys didn't know, and where Blanco? Huh? You didn't know that? No, nah, we're gonna have to go visit. That ain't far. No, it's not. It's driving distance. Yeah, that ain't far. We're we're definitely going. I I thought you realized that. I'm a fan of like breweries and like visiting breweries and touring breweries and. Yeah, like, of course. Blanco's not far. We going. Um, so it, it's a typical Belgian triple, right? Pale golden, um, and very. And, and they do say here a distinctive flavor and aroma, and that is very true for triples. Yeah, it is very distinctive. It's very its own thing. Yeah, uh, they're doing something that nobody. It's essentially a wheat beer that is heavily hopped. Yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. Yep. that is something nobody else is doing. Yeah, and so the sweetness of the wheat. And the, the super hop yeah. balances everything out. Yeah, and it's sure. 8.1, so it's standard. Yeah. All right. So I have. Oh, it's also called the Devil's Backbone, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I have something by Back Pew Brewing, which, if you don't know, it's, They're really in, good. it's in Porter, Texas, just, I guess, northeast of New Caney mm-hmm. here in the greater Houston area. And the reason it's called Back Pew is because they bought 13 acres that was previously a church yeah. and turned it into a brewery. And the top, the I guess like the beer logo, like motto or something, maybe it's the brewery's motto. This is drink like a sinner. <laughs> I think that's funny. It is, it, it, it is funny because... You have all these like really traditional, yeah, uh, conservative traditions out there yeah. that they're like, alcohol is a sin. Yeah, and it's just like we brew beer in a church. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I think it's funny, and it's okay. It's like funny. Our 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 affiliate, the Baptist General Convention of Texas, has zero problem with drinking uh, alcohol. Uh. They have zero problem. They don't want you to get drunk. They don't want you to abuse alcohol. They they don't want you to do any of the things that we don't want you to do. Exactly. But like, as far as having a beer, they got zero qualms. It's fine. Which is why we do it on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Like our, our representative with like our church plant sponsor and, and like our representative, our state representative for our affiliates, like, drink beer like it's not a thing yeah oh and we got to introduce onyx too real quick we oh got is special he on, guest. oh i can't right see him yeah still right here. so we're recording this on the monday after father's day it is storming cats and dogs outside 
And my dog, Onyx, is terrified. Yeah. And so he's in Clayton's lap, like, nonstop for the last two episodes. Anyway, so Back Pew is here. And I have their buck. It's called the Satire Swill Buck. Yeah. Which I'm like, A1 on so, the name. Yeah. And that's actually like a, a Norse character for those who don't actually know. He's supposed to be the guy that brings about Ragnarok. Yes. Yeah, and um, that's why it says "drink with caution" for the satire seeks your soul. Yeah, it's, I, I'm not convinced that that's actually how it's pronounced, but I don't remember how it's pronounced, so I don't really care. <laughs> like, yeah, satire or satire. Yeah, you know, one of them. Yeah. Depending on if you're German or English. Yeah. So it says brewed in a traditional German style. This de- deceiving book drinks like a lighter brew, but conceals a darker nature. Just like the namesake, the Sitar Swill lures you in with sweet tones before letting its true uh, potenoi overtake you. In the end, you'll be left with one question. Are you consuming it or is it consuming you? (laughs) Yes. Love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it is, I'm looking, um, the ABV is discreetly hidden i think i saw somewhere like it was somewhere around eight percent um that's heavy for a buck yeah it, it is maybe maybe it was lower than that um but i'm pretty sure i saw somewhere yeah that's it. a i mean that's a stout for a buck yeah it doesn't say anywhere on here hmm. that can't be true they have to Legally, they have to see. put the ABV on here. Hang on. I've turned this can eight times. Clay's like, let me see it. I'm like, no, not yet. <laughs> Look. Thank you, three. Yeah. I'm like, I, they legally have to put it on there, but I don't know where it is. I don't, I genuinely, I don't think they put it on there. It's not on the can. It's not on the bottom stamp. I already looked. It's nowhere. It's not on here. It's literally <laughs> it's not on there. Not on here. Um, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. You have to put ABVs on alcoholic beverages. According that may not to be the true FDA, anymore. I don't know. Uh, uh like I'm like ninety percent sure. What? So it's backpews. Yeah, go to backpewbrewing.com and see if. Uh, Artfully crafted with blessed well water in Porter, Texas. Yeah, beers made with well water are just. Oh, here better. it is. Oh no, that says twelve. Flu- oh, I need to look in here. They got it wrapped in the design. Oh. What well, says twelve fluid ounces? So let me keep looking in the design. Hang on. I know if I look eventually. Uh, Seven point two. Seven point. They gotta put that on the label somewhere. Whatever. Seven point two. That's still pretty high for a Bach. A traditional German Bach. This beer is high on the drinkability scale, but also packs a punch with its higher gravity. This traditional German lager is on the sweeter side with the crispness enjoyed by those who really know what lager should taste like. Yeah. Interestingly, interesting piece here. When I'm not concerned about my dad bod, what's my beer of choice? When I'm not concerned about my dad bod or my budget, what's my beer of choice? Shiner Bach. Shiner Bach. I'm a Bach man, so... Yeah, I like Bachs. Let's give this a try. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Oops.
couldn't get it hooked. Yeah. Clayton's not a pro at opening beer tops with his ring like no, I am. I'm not. Seven years married, people. I got Ooh, it. Ooh, that smells good. Yo, that's close. Yeah? To it's the little, West Molly? It's not as hoppy as I would like it to be. Yeah. Or maybe the it's not yeah. boiled. The wort's not boiled as long as I would like it to be. Yeah. Um, because it didn't pick up all of the hops that I would like, but yeah, it's pretty it's pretty darn close. Nice. So I will say, uh, that's the first beer from Back Pew that I'm like unimpressed with. Really? It they're right. It's it's doing what they want it to do. It's just not my preferred box style. Ah. Which is it's sweet and it reminds me of the Crawford Bach. Oh, uh, I'm not a big from Carbach. Yeah, I'm not a Crawford Bach person. Not, not a huge fan. Um, I'd much rather something like Shiner that's a bit more tart. Yeah, a bit more um, tart, a little bit heavier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, just being honest, that's the first thing. Oh, I can even see the color on it. It's pretty light. Yeah, it's light. It's sweet. It's it's not my preferred, um, but it's doing what they wanted to do. So, yeah. shout out to them. It did what they want. It's just unfortunate. But I will also say, there's a lot of beer from Back Pew that I drink a lot of. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah, I like Back Pew. That's just the first thing is, I've ever had from them that I didn't appreciate. So, and, and I don't want to say that I don't appreciate this beer. It's I wish it, it was a little bit more heavily hopped. Yeah, you wish it tasted like West Molly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit too on the sweet side for me for a triple. Yeah, it's not the only triple I've had, it, like Belgian style triples. Yeah. Um, obviously. When the reason you want a West Molly sub is because you're paying an insane import tax on the West Molly. I'm paying $14 a beer. Yeah, when I, you're when paying I drink. an insane import tax. I, I'm, I'm not going to pay that, yeah. you know, every time I want a West Molly. That's a very, it, I better have graduated college, you know, for Even that then, you could be working here. You ain't making a lot of money. Like. No, no, no. I mean, like, like graduation party. Oh, kind like, of like you're drinking it because for you the celebration, right? Like I'm, I'm like, not, I thought you were saying like when you graduate college, you can be rolling in this money, like Snoop Dogg or something. I'm, like I'm a social work major. Yeah. It's like, like no, nah, bro. We don't go into this for no, the money. bro. We don't make a lot of money. All right. Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we've been talking about women, specifically a theology of women and this will be the last one that we talk about a biblical passage isolated because next week we'll talk about like a complementarian view of like yeah. what it means to be a complementarian Just more systematic kind of views. yeah and then what it means to be an egalitarian and in that i will tie each of those to a reading of Gen a preferential reading of Genesis one versus a preferential reading of Genesis two, because mm. that's what you're doing. If you're an egalitarian, yeah. you're prioritizing Genesis one. If you're a complementarian, you're prioritizing Genesis two. Absolutely. And so I'll tie those together, but this will be the last time we look at a specific biblical text because we would be remiss if we didn't talk about it. We, we have to, to be fair, we have to. And the reason that, so Two weeks ago, we talked about 1 Timothy 2. Mm -hmm. And I got a bit heated. 
I'll be honest. I, I did, did say I was going to get heated, though. Yeah. So I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying I did get heated. We, we both got really heated, and we are very aware of that. Once again, I didn't call anyone stupid, and so I'm not apologizing. And, and I'm not going to apologize for getting heated for that. Yeah. Because I will apologize for getting heated over things that don't really matter, but to me, this matters. This matters. It's oppressing people. Yeah. It matters. Your opinion... You are you only have the right to your opinion until it steps on someone else's, like yeah. someone else's rights. Like yeah, 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 yeah. No. agreed. So then we went to First Corinthians eleven because it's a precursor to this conversation. Yeah, I think it's a massive precursor to this conversation. Oh, absolutely. Don't don't hear me saying that that it's just like a footnote to the conversation. It is a massive footnote. And. and it, Depending on which side you stand on, it's still massive, right? Like, no, no, no. Regardless of what side you stand, that, that's on. what I mean. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, de- yeah. Depending on which side you stand on, it it is massive. Depending on which way you read it, right? Like, that's yeah. more what I'm meaning. Well, but yeah, I yeah. said it wrong. Yeah, but. it. What he's really trying to say is, regardless of which side yes. you're on, First Corinthians 11 is a massive piece of the conversation. Yes, First Corinthians 14 is a continuation of that conversation. And once again, we don't have all the time in the world because I could talk about this for hours, mm-hmm. genuine hours. So 1 Corinthians 14 begins a conversation about orderly worship. And it goes through and talks about how you prophesy and what manner and tongues and interpretation and all these higher gifts and things. And those need to, like, those, that conversation has to happen. Yeah. Like, yes. But what, for our purposes, what that ends up telling us is that prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14 in the most simplified version is modern-day preaching. Mm. Mm -hmm. No more than two or three, one at a time, must be an interpreter if you're going to use tongues, like all this kind. It is modern-day preaching. Yeah. Okay. We were just told in 1 Corinthians 11, women, you can do that. That's what he said. Pray or prophesy. Just cover your head. Mm-hmm. That's 1 Corinthians 11. So then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you get to 1 Corinthians 14 and you read all of this. And this is picking up in 1 Corinthians 14, 32. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. So what does that mean? That prophets discern prophets. Yeah. Were we just told in 1 Corinthians 11 that women can be prophets? Sure. Yes. Have we not learned through our series, Support Ladies, that there are numerous, countless... Old Testament... Female prophets. Yeah. Post-law. Miriam, Hulda, I mean, keep Deborah, keep... Go. Yeah. Right? Countless. Joel 2. Yeah. Right? Which is, shows up in, at Pentecost and Acts. Like... Your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's the genuine Hebrew and the Greek like regurgitation. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Sure. Not happening any other way. Like yeah. you cannot deny that. For God is a God not of disorder, but of peace. I don't think anybody's refuting that. Mm-hmm. As in all the churches of the saints. And note the NRSV yeah. has a parenthetical here. Yeah. Now I say that 
to say that's not a punctuation mark you have in ancient Greek. No. And you definitely don't have it in Koine Greek, mm. which is the... So, Koine Greek is the language of the New Testament. He got hair all over me. <laughs> oh, Onyx? Yes. Yeah. It's summer, bro. He's, He's shedding. shedding his coat. His bath is on Tuesdays. His mm. bath day is Tuesdays. Today is Monday. So, yeah, he has not had a bath yet this week, and it's shedding like crazy. Anyways... <sighs> What was I saying? You messed me up. Oh, ancient, like Koine is the language of the New Testament. Koine Greek is the commoner's Greek. Yeah. It's the marketplace Greek. I know Greek. I know Greek very well. At this point, one, two, three, four, five, six, 18. I have the equivalent of a minor. I'm two classes short of a major mm. in Greek. I know Greek very well. Yeah. Koine Greek and Attic Greek or classical Greek are very different. Yeah, yeah. It'd be the it, it's the same thing as like or I guess the best equivalent would be like me having a conversation with some dude I meet in the grocery store versus me writing an academic paper. Okay, so so for English majors out there, it's writing in high style versus low style. Yeah. No. Not exactly, yeah, yeah, but like... No, because it's also about the choice of word you choose. So, jargon. Yeah, it, so it's about... The, Which is high style. Well, but it's about the breadth of your vocabulary as well as your grammatical compilation. So I would still say that's high style, but... No, I, I don't think it's quite the same. But because like if I have a conversation with somebody that I just like randomly met at the like gas station, I'm not going to say all the things that I would normally say. And I'm not even going to think about saying a lot of the words and things that I know, I'm going to use... You're going to talk in low style. I'm going to use the vernacular. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I I'm like going to use the vernacular. That's Koine Greek. Mm -hmm. That's what Paul is using here. Mm -hmm. Now, Paul's also a very educated man, a Roman citizen from Tarsus. Yeah. Paul knows big Greek. Yeah. Let's call it Big Greek. In 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 4, Paul uses Big Greek. Sure. Paul is clearly doing something different in 1 Corinthians 4. He's trying to show you that he knows what it is to be a wise man. Yeah. He's he's combat he's playing off that stoicism that they got going on there. He's he's letting you know how educated he is. He's doing something there. Yeah. The rest of 1 Corinthians not like that. Mhm. Mm Paul is very clearly given over to the commoner's language, the vernacular. So he says, and this is, the parentheticals are really hard. Other translations put this in quotations. Mm -hmm. There comes with a theological interpretive, like, thing that happens when you put that in, in quotations which I'll talk about here in a minute. I don't think they're wrong, but like you're making a determination of how to interpret this if you put it in quotations. Okay. Parentheses are not that far off. 
because that's not a that's not a thing that you can do in Greek. Okay. You can't parentheticalize something. Okay. As in all the churches of the saints, women should be silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be subordinate, as the law also says. And all we're, I'm sorry, I was about to make a joke. That we're gonna read the we're gonna read the rest of this section, but we're gonna go in order. Yes. Clayton, I want to ask you a very, very serious question. Okay. Where does the law say that women should be subordinate and silent? To my knowledge, nowhere. Because, honest to God, if the law said that, why would we have so many female prophetesses, right? That yeah. that just, it, it doesn't say that. You're very correct. The law says that nowhere. There are some people. How do I say this nicely? There are some people of the reformed, complementarian, John Piperite, John MacArthurite. That was not nice. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, it was, but it wasn't. Vein of theology. It was said in a nice tone but with yes. very derogatory words. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you caught that. <laughs> um, there are some people in that vein trying to make the argument that it is a Roman law. Mm. That is also not the case. It is not in Roman law that women must be quiet either. Especially not in church. Yeah. Why would they care what the Christians are doing in their church? It's just not Roman law. It's not in any law. Yeah. It's just not. So what do you do with that? Listener, go read all of the Torah. Mm -hmm. And if you find it, let me know. And by the way, go tell Joel... Go tell the author of Kings. Go tell Josiah. Go tell a lot of people. Go tell Deborah. Go tell all these people that were women that took the role of prophet where they were a spokesperson of God in the Old Testament and tell them they were wrong. Yep. Because when you're a prophet, what do you do? You speak. You speak. It's literally what you... And not only you do you speak... authority you, over men. Well, not only do you do that, you speak on behalf of God. Yeah. Like if there's anyone ever speaking, you're speaking on behalf of God. I mean, and, and we looked at Hulda, Hulda last week, right? Hulda. 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 It's so funny. <laughs> it is, it like we that. did, uh, I saw my story last week. Yeah. It is on Hulda and it's on, and it's on a closer look. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Hulda last week and honestly, she, she had authority over men in that. Well, yeah. Like very Zephaniah clearly. and Jeremiah are contemporary prophets of her. Yeah. Josiah and Hedekiah choose the high priest choose to go to Huldah. Yeah. Do with that what you want. Yeah. Instead of going to these Jeremiah other men or Zephaniah who have books, books written after them. Yes. They went to her. They go to Huldah. If you so, find that written in the law, go tell all those people they were wrong going to those women. Yeah, because 
what do you do there, bro? Like, what do you do? And go, go tell Joel that he's wrong about his prophecy that in the last days, sons and daughters will mm-hmm. prophesy. So it's not in the law. Let's it's not in on. the law. It's not in the law. But I bring that up because very few people are talking about that fact, that that's yeah. not written in the law anywhere. No, that's true. And it's a huge, it's like the smoking gun for how you interpret this text. Yeah. So he says, as the law also says, if there's anything they desire to know, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Note that word shameful. Okay. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians 11 real quick. <laughs> no, 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 because it's important. No, I, I, I hear you. I, I think I see where you're going. Verse 20, 11, 4. Any man who prays or prophesies with something on his head disgraces. Mm-hmm. Another word for shameful. Well, so the, it's a cognate of shameful. It's just the way it's written. We don't have a way to... You can't say... I mean, the, the closest would be shames mm. his head, but it just doesn't It doesn't, it doesn't flow. flow in English, yeah. But any woman who prays or prophesies with her head unveiled disgraces. shames her head. Don't miss that. We got the same cognate, same word. There's anything they desire to know, let them ask their husband home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Remember what I said about 1 Corinthians 1 through 4? That Paul's trying to show you that he's educated, that he can keep up with all these educated people that I won't curse. Yeah, the the educated. I almost Corinthianites. Yeah. 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 The, the, the people that are abusing others because of their education, power and social class. Yeah. Don't miss what Paul's doing here. There we go. That's a nicer way to say that. Don't miss Paul's setup in first Corinthians 11 about shame Mm. and what he's doing here with it being shameful for a woman to speak. Yeah. Don't miss that because here's where it all comes together. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Verse 36. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only ones it has reached? So. End parenthesis. Yeah. End parenthesis. So when we read this earlier, like before we started recording, I was just reading it and I was just kind of looking at it because this is always a text that has really struggled with me struggled I have struggled with and I started asking questions and you know Cullen and I started talking through it and I was like you know it almost sounds kind of sarcastic now big sarcasm big sarcasm what I think Paul is doing and there are some very influential scholars that agree with me I will also say There are a lot that disagree, but... There are also a lot who don't even try to massage these over. Yeah. They just say there's clearly a contradiction between 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Corinthians 14. Arguably, no, not arguably, definitely a book that will be in my top five monographs in the world of Christian thought for the rest of my life is Moral Vision of the New Testament by Richard Hayes. 
Keep going. Right there. The big one. The yellow one. Yep. Richard Hayes, in his commentary on First Corinthians, just straight up says there's a contradiction, and we shouldn't even, like, it's not a thing. First Corinthians 11 takes priority over First Corinthians 14. Doesn't even, yeah. doesn't even try to argue this. Okay. There are some, though, that agree with me. Here's what I think Paul's doing. I think Paul's saying what they say. That those parentheses should better be quotation marks. That Paul's regurgitating what they have chosen to say about them. And that's why he can say, did the word of God originate with you? How can you say such nonsense? I should not have pulled that book out. No, you shouldn't have. (laughs) How can you say such nonsense? Yeah, It, it feels very kind of satirical. It is. Right. It it feels like he's saying, it feels like if he was almost reading this, like he would be like, as in all the churches of the saints, women should be silent in church, right? Which he says, as in all the churches of the saints, and at the bottom, are you the only ones that is reached? Yeah. The whole thing is clearly sarcastic and satirical. I almost can't. You, you know those images that you see that are, like, kind of abstract? That like, once you see what it's supposed to be, you can't unsee it that way? Yeah. That is now how I feel about this text. A good example of this, and it's not abstract, but it is something that once you see it, you can't unsee it, is the arrow in the FedEx label. Like, in the FedEx sign. Hang on, where's my phone? I'm going to pull this up. You might blow my mind here. Yeah, watch this. Uh, Anyways, I'm while Cullen's looking it up, okay. In between the E and the X. <gasps> You'll never unsee that. You screwed me, bro. <laughs> You'll never unsee that. It's exactly what it is. That is what's happening now. Because the word of God did not originate with the Corinthians, obviously. Oh, clearly. We've and got... Thousands of years of the word of God, the scriptures before, before the Corinthians. Yeah. So clearly, it and it not. hasn't only reached them. That's yeah. the second clause. So clearly, like there's there's no other way to see that. I don't think so. I, I can't see it any other way now. I'm I'm sorry, but like once you look at it that way, like it, listeners, if you, if you got another way that you can read that. Hit me up with it because I'm interested to see if you can find another way to see that. There are people that see it other ways. I just don't think they're sufficient. Oh, sure. And like when you keep going, it's like the Rorschach ink block. Anyone who claims to be a prophet, Clayton in the Old Testament, do we have female prophets? Yes. Clayton in 1 Corinthians 11, did Paul just tell women that they could prophesy? Yes. So wouldn't that make women prophets? Yes. Okay. Anyone who claims to be a prophet or to have spiritual powers must acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is a command of the Lord. What's the command? To do worship, to do prophecy orderly. Mm. That's the entire mm. section yeah, that's of exactly the conversation. It's not a conversation about women. Yeah, you, you can't look at that section independently. It's a conversation about order. Yeah. Then he says, 
anyone who does not recognize recognize this is not to be recognized. Can we go back to, to verse one for a second? Because I just went back and read it. Pursue love and strive for spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. That you may prophesy, yep. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, we, we looked at women. We did all the things, right? How is not letting women pray and prophesy and have authority over men loving? So you just brought right? up like, number one, verse one, right? Yeah. And what does he say? Love and pursue love and strive for the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Exactly. The end of the chapter, verse 39. So my friends, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. It's not a gender conversation. Paul's lumping that in because he's already told them to prophesy mm. in 1 Corinthians 11. And now he comes to order and he's saying, and oh, by the way, your whole nonsense idea of order is just that, nonsense. Shut up and let the women speak. They can speak. Stop telling them they can't speak. The law doesn't say that. Nothing says that women shouldn't speak. Eager, be eager to prophesy mm. and do everything orderly. That's the conversation. Fundamentally. My gavel. Yeah. On, That'll preach, man. Freaked out a fly. <laughs> They're everywhere here, man. Yeah, it, it's that time of the year. I, I'm so glad we did this episode because this is a conversation that needs to be had. Um. Now, it, I do want to preface it. Preface. This is my interpretation. Sure. Of, of the Corinthian of letter, it is not the only way to interpret it. Absolutely. It is my preferred method. It is the way I interpret it. It's not the only way. I do think it's the right way. Now, I would like to say, I want everyone to go into the community group and whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> the, commu <laughs> the community group. There we go. Uh, <laughs> on the community group on Facebook. And let us know how you read this text. Yep. I want to know. We want to know. We will have some genuine, honest, loving, gracious conversation about this. Yeah. If there's not loving, gracious conversation about this, you will be removed from the conversation. Yeah. But I want us to have this conversation. Yeah. And I will say, right now, I can get heated because I'm having a conversation with no one. We're having a there's conversation an, with our brother. Yeah. Like, there's not an individual on the other side of this. If you come at me with a different interpretation, we will have I'm a, not going to shame you. We will have an honest, genuine conversation about it. One of my best friends, literally, we've been friends. What year did I meet him? Which person? Uh, KD. Uh, 2008. Oh, Earlier than that, huh? Probably so. Well, I didn't know him very... Like, 2008 is when we started hanging out. Yeah, that's probably fair. So, 
arguably one of my best friends for the last 13 years is a complementarian. Yeah. And reads this verse and all these verses very different than me. Yeah. I don't talk to him the way that I talk here. No. We have, because in all things, right? First Corinthians 13, mm. the text right before this. Do all things in love. Do all things in love. If I speak in, speak in tongues or mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Yeah. If you come into the community group, we will have an honest conversation of grace. My tone and posture here in this conversation is not the tone and posture I would have if I were speaking to an actual person on the other side. And we have to acknowledge that. Maybe this needs to be a disclaimer. Like for all future episodes... When we, we do get heated on this podcast because we do care about the topics that we talk about. Yeah. Um, deeply. Um, and this one is very different. And when we had the conversation about the Bible and, and those sorts of things, we got really heated. It's because we care. When we get heated, we are not getting heated with you as the person who holds that belief. Um. We are heated about the conversation because we care about it. But it, it is not a reflection on our feelings of you who hold the position. Yeah, my conversation here, my tone here, is not a problem with the individuals that hold this position. It's the it's a problem with the conversation around people that hold this view. I think that that's a fair way to, to say it. Um, I got that from Dave Chappelle. Oh. My problem has never been with the transgender community. My problem <laughs> has always been with the narrative around the transgender community. <laughs> I still have such a hard time with, with Dave's comment about that. Well, he is right. As far as people in a hilarious predicament, <laughs> it's them, right? Like, they're born as somebody who they're not. Like, and they got to admit that's a little funny. He's right. It is. Like, it just happened. And so in the same way. My social work brain is going nuts right now. (laughs) In the same way, my problem is not with people who hold this view. My problem is with the conversation around people that hold this view. No, and I think that in this scenario, that is true, right? Like, I am willing to say that, like, there needs to be more open, honest communication about women in ministry. Yeah. Um, on the theological side rather than the social side, because on the social side, lots of people are like, yeah, let's do it. Let's deny this conversation about theology. Yeah. Right. There are a lot of people doing that. And they're like, oh, no, we just do it because we do it. Right. Like that, I don't think is, is okay. Yeah. We well, can't deny, we can't deny this. Right. When this is a good point, so I was having a, a conversation with our friend Andrew Barrett the other day, and, and he was a bit triggered by our narrative theology series. Oh, I'm sorry, Andrew. Uh, I did not, not know. Not this. like super bad, but like he he had a few qualms. But this is this is one of those instances where I actually think narrative theology helps. Mm. Because we don't use it as a crutch to just go, well, screw those texts. We don't yeah. need them. 
we look at them and go, okay, wait, the narrative tells me a different story. So maybe there's a different way to read this individual text. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, I don't want, I will say that doing narrative theology, and we've said this several times, it does leave a lot of gaps, right? Um, it can. It, it can leave a lot of gaps. Well, no, that's fair. It does leave a lot of gaps. Because yeah. there are things the narrative doesn't talk about. Sure. Like, what do you do with abortion in narrative theology, right? Like, you know. Oh, well, uh, eh, eh, no. That's not a conversation we need to get into here, but like. Well, we're going to have it off camera okay. when we finish because it, narrative theology actually doesn't help you in that one. Because there are instances in the Bible and narrative theology is not your friend in that conversation. Really? Yeah. We'll talk about it. Okay. Well, I mean, it, not your friend, I guess, depends on what side you stand on, depending on the person, right? Hence like, the reason I said it that way. Yeah. Um, hence the meaning of hence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> overall, in the narrative of talking about it, theology of women... This is a conversation we need to be more open and honest about. Yep. We need to look at the text. We we need to hold a council. <laughs> yep. Everyone bring their Bible. And we sit down and genuinely have an honest, open conversation about this. In all things, do it in love. Grab your Bible. Grab a beer. And let's do some theology. <laughs>